Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. How many are in love with Jesus so much you just don't know what to do? Amen. Let me ask you a question, and then I'll, I'll let you be seated. But how many believe that you are attending the absolute greatest church on the human planet right here? So, yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, I also think you have the greatest pastor in the entire world. I know he's the best preacher in captivity. He is something else. And... Uh, Pastor Rex is a dear friend, and, and I love to hear him speak every chance. And the fact of the matter is, this is God's truth. I'd rather listen to him preach than hear me, and most of you would too, I know. But uh, I, it's, it fall on, uh, fell on my lot today. And Patty, I believe she's probably the best pastor's wife in the world. How many believe that? Absolutely. <clears throat> I've known her family for years, and I, I know she's cut out of a good rock. And uh, she is solid as a rock, and it's just a great honor to be here and, and to be with you all today. Uh, I'd like you to take your Bible in your hands while you're standing. I'll just, if you'll just indulge for a moment, uh, let's, I, I love to stand when we read God's Word. How about you? It's not like I stand all the time when I'm reading God's Word, like at home. I do have a recliner, and I like to read God's Word in my recliner too, but I think when we come together, it's great for us to have a moment where we honor God's Word. And, uh, and that's what that subliminally suggests, is that we're about to hear something awesome. And you are about to hear something awesome from God's Word. Genesis chapter number 28, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 10. Verse number 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night, because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth. Everybody say, he dreamed. dreamed. A ladder was set upon the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. That ladder represented the covenant that God had made with his grandfather and his father. I mean, they're glad that God puts angels on the covenant to bring it to pass. Ascending and descending. Jesus would later say in the Gospels that he was that ladder. And that the angels of God were ascending and descending upon him, that covenant. He said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father. And Isaac, the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a good word for a boy who's got a little crooked bent to him. A boy who's on the run. That's good. Verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. And perhaps it's one of my most favorite phrases in the entire Bible, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. How many are glad we serve a God today who has an ability 
to not only speak it, but bring it to pass. I'm glad we don't serve a quitter God. I'm glad God has the ability to focus and follow through. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the very gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar. And that, that the night before, it was a pillow, but it became a pillar. Now, in Arkansas, we use the words interchangeably. <laughs> pillar. I slept on a pillar last night. And uh, my wife puts pillar cases on our pillows and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that place had been Luz previously. I guess that would make everyone who lived there losers before this happened. And Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, Will, will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and will give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Okay, you can close your Bibles. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word and we thank you for the anointing that's in this room. I feel it already. Thank you, Lord, that we are ready to receive. Our filters are open. Our eyes are fixed on you and our ears are tuned into the frequency of heaven. We ask you, Lord, to impart to us in these moments revelation and understanding, power and grace, O oh God. And Lord, fill us up. Lord, we receive of your fullness and your grace. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. High five somebody and tell them, get ready for the word of the Lord. You can be seated. It, I flew in uh, last night and it took me just a little while to get acclimated to your roads. I mean, honestly. I believe that one of those times I turned one of those little loops and I saw myself coming up the other side. I, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, we only have one road in Arkansas, you know, and if you get off that road, you've got to ride mule train to the rest of the place and then... To get to my house, you've got to swing in on a vine when the mule can't go any further. But I love this city. How many love this city? What a great place. Honestly, beautiful, beautiful place. Our son and his wife pastor just about 60 miles from here, and they're three sons. We have five grandsons, totally, no girls. Um, and so we're on the hunt for some wives already. We're just looking for the right combination because we want to start a tribe. And... Uh, and Drew has got Noah, Jonah, and Judah that pastors over in Lomita. I told him to stop. We can't afford Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, it's like it's got to stop now. But How many believe grandkids are God's better idea? He got it right on that, didn't he? <laughs> All you folks that have kids, I mean, they, honestly, and you're, I, I, I rode on the plane last night. Right behind me was a child that screamed from Dallas all the way to Austin. It's a fact. That child screamed and screamed. I didn't have my earbuds or my headphones or my bows, anything. And uh, it, I just had to endure that child. And I thought to myself, now I'm reminded why grandkids were God's better idea. That's a fact because that child needs discipline. <laughs> that child needs 
in intervention or exorcism. I'm not sure. You just fill in the blank. It was something. But uh, I didn't dare try it, you know. But, uh, but I love grandkids, and they're great. Well, you've been in a series, and you are in a series called The Seven Decisions. It's written uh, based on a book written by Andy Andrews. He's an amazing storyteller and a great life coach. And the book is an awesome uh, revelation, really. Uh, it's a directional map is what it is to help you to identify what really matters and what's really important in life. How many know we spend so much time focused on things that really don't matter? I mean, in the big scope of things, they don't matter. And you can fill your day and your hours and all your creative energy can be siphoned away from you by struggling with things that in 100 years nobody's going to care anyway. And for some of us, it's not even 100 years. I mean, it's, some of us next week, it ain't going to matter, you know. And so we have to understand, that's what this book does, is help us understand the things that are really important. You've been talking about decisions. Decisions form your destiny. They can literally be the, uh, the gateway. They are indeed the gateway to your future and to your destiny. How many in the room today believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life? I hope everybody in the room does because, and if you're here and you don't, let me tell you today that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your life, but I can tell you no matter how good it is, God's got something better planned for you than what you're experiencing right now. God has a future and a hope for you. He's invested in you. God has invested in you. He's installed creativity. He's installed gifts and talents and abilities. And he's installed some awesome stuff right inside of you. And a lot of times the thing that holds us out of that and keeps us from experiencing that is the way we think. And so this series is designed to help you adjust your thinking to the thinking of God. How how many of you have figured this out about God that God thinks on a whole lot higher plane than you think? I mean, honestly, if God told you everything he wanted to do in your life, if God revealed everything, it'd blow your mind. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. I mean, it would blow. And, and honestly, God has to kind of filter what he tells us through the Holy Spirit anyway. Am I right? Because if he tapped directly into your mind, the, the God that we serve, the Godness that's in him, if he tapped directly into your mind, you'd see some beautiful things for a second. And then you'd probably smell smoke and never see anything ever again. Yeah. I had a friend that went to Israel a number of years ago, and he, you know, in Israel, all of the, the power sources are 220, right? So you have to, you have to get a, a converter before you go. And so he got, he's kind of like me, had a lot of hair, and, and uh, he needed a, a blow dryer with him. And so he got what he thought was a converter, and actually it was only an adapter. And he said he was running late one day for the bus. Everybody was waiting on him down there, and he, he'd washed his hair, and he was, or as my wife would say, washed She'd wash his hair. You got, me, you got me messed up with my <laughs> Arkansas. Y'all forget. How many of you love Arkansas? Everybody love Arkansas. So y'all don't mind, right? I mean, we don't play Texas anymore. I mean, if we did, we'd probably beat them. Not maybe, maybe we wouldn't. I don't know. We beat, Ella, we beat Ole Miss last night. But anyway, I lost the crowd. <laughs> so anyway, he, he had thought he'd gotten a converter. He actually only got an adapter. And so he said he plugged that blow dryer, that 110 appliance in that 220 socket. And he said it ran real fast for just a second. And then it, then it smelled smoke and it never ran again. And that was the inspiration for that story. If God tied directly into your mind, you'd see some beautiful things for a second. Then you'd smell smoke. And you get it? You get it? Okay. And so you got that. So he has to move through the Holy Spirit so he don't kill you when he's wanting to reveal his purpose and plan in your life. 
Amen. It comes through the Holy Spirit and then processes through our mind. And so you've been talking about uh, decisions. The first decision you talked about was the responsible decision, subtitled The Buck Stops Here. And Andy essentially explains that the way you move forward is to take responsibility for your life. How many know that the blame game is a game without winners, only losers? And it'll take you down a path filled with bitterness and anger and victimization. But you have to decide to take responsibility for your past and for your future and realize that partnering with God, that God could do anything in you. I'm going to tell you the story of Rahab in the Bible is a great explanation that there's no depth of sin you can go to that God can't get you out of. Amen. He can make something beautiful out of your mess. He can. Rahab's an amazing story for that and it's a different message. But you have to make peace with your past. And so when you do, you realize that you're not going to be a victim anymore of somebody else's idea of what your life ought to be. But God has a plan and he's birthed that in your life. And a responsible person becomes a powerful person. That's really the the message of that first week. And then you talked about the guided decision, I will seek wisdom. We learn there the power of knowledge and its application because that's really what wisdom is. It's the ability to take information or data and then apply it to a situation in your life at the right time and the right moment. How many realize today, and I'm going to be the first to raise my hand, that each of us are limited in our intelligence, in our ability to grasp. We need one another. And the message of that chapter is that you will seek wisdom from sources, from other people. And, but how many understand today that if we combine our resources and our information, we are, a, we are able then to be multiplied and to multiply our potential together? I heard a man say one time, well, I'm just going to get it through experience, through the school of hard knocks. And I've got a lot of information that way. And I didn't like any one of those knocks. Did you? It wasn't, it wasn't always. I heard another fellow say that experience is not the best teacher, but it's the only class that a fool will attend. <laughs> I thank God for the men and women in my life that can share their wisdom so I don't have to go through all that stuff they went through. I'm able to get gleaned from their understanding and their wisdom. And I've made a decision in my life to be a student all the days of my life. Amen. You want to hang out with people that have always got stuff to learn. How many know it's more fun to ride 100 miles with a student than it is an expert? Anybody ever hang out with somebody that knows it all? Well, I just revealed the fact that if you're here and you think you know it all, I don't want to ride 100 miles with you. Because it's no fun. It's more fun to, 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 to answer questions than it is to... Have somebody telling you all this stuff. Can I get an amen for that? Yeah. So today we're talking about the active decision. Somebody say with me, I am a person of action. action. Just do it. Just do it. Nike has an iconic slogan, and you probably recognize that. It's Nike slogan, just do it. In most nations around the world, the slogan remains the same. But in France, there's no equivalent for just do it. So they use the slogan, your life is your own. And the interesting thing is the meaning is pretty much the same. And this is my Arkansas paraphrase. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. I know that's not good English, but it's, I mean, no, it's good truth. You want to lose 50 pounds? Ain't nobody going to do it for you. Uh, Yeah, I lost 50, I know. (laughs) 
I lost 50, I know. There's nobody that pushed that cake away for me. I had to do it for my own self. Somebody say, ain't nobody gonna do it for you. You want a better marriage? Ain't nobody gonna do it for you. You wanna get a better job? Ain't nobody gonna do it for you. You want a financial breakthrough in your life? Ain't nobody gonna do it for you. You have to get a vision for it. You have to have a dream for it. You gotta develop a plan for it. And then you gotta get off the bubble. You gotta get off the fence. You gotta get out of bed and off the couch and do something. Just do it. Just do it. It's been said that life don't have any remote controls. If you wanna change it, you gotta get off the couch and do it yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, get off the sofa. Sam, I hope there's no Sam's here, but you know what I'm saying, it's like 50 ways to leave your life, you know what I'm saying, it's like, no. In the science of energy, there are two types of energy most commonly discussed. Are there any science teachers in the room, anybody that teaches science? Don't be afraid to raise your hand. I, I was just going to ask you to come up here and explain it to you. No, no, I'm not kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't see any science teachers. So I can tell y'all anything. Y'all won't know. That's okay. Sometimes it's just that easy. <clears throat> so there are two types of energy. The first one is called potential energy, and the other is called kinetic energy. Potential energy is energy in reserve. Kinetic energy is energy in motion. When kinetic energy is sustained over a period of time, it becomes energy momentum, energy momentum. How many believe today that God wants to take the potential in your life and ignite it and cause it to become kinetic so that you can literally begin to move in the motion of what God has planned for your life? Some of you have been struggling with bad marriages, bad relationships, a bad job. You've been struggling with low self-esteem. God wants you to get off the sofa and hear what he says about you. He wants you to remember that prophetic word that he planted in your life and get a glimpse of the dream that God has for your life. Even if it's not consistent with where you are right now, how many believe we serve a God who can take you someplace that your current reality don't even seem to make sense? Amen. I'm so glad God is not limited by my situation and my circumstances. God's not limited by who my mom was, my dad was, or what my background is. God's not limited to the bad decisions that I've made in my life. God is able to lift me up out of that stuff if I will believe, if I will simply believe. God wants every one of us in this room has potential. There are possibilities. There's that house you haven't bought here. There's that invention that has been incubated in your heart, but you haven't had the wherewithal to put it together yet. There's that opportunity. There's that marriage that you've always dreamed of. And I'm telling you that when God is for you, there is no situation that can stop you if you will believe. Yeah, the potential energy is energy in reserve, but God has a plan for igniting. For example, when we're talking about that potential energy, the fire logs, the, 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 the aged hickory that's stacked outside my house is a great example of potential energy, for example. The thing that stands between the status quo, them being potential energy, and becoming kinetic energy is a match. An ignition, a spark. In other words, those logs could sit outside my house till the termites eat them to dust. But if I will get involved in the process and take them into the fireplace and put one of those little 
logs you get at Walmart, you know what I'm saying? It's got all the whatever, the resin built in. And it, it, I need a fire log. Okay, I'm from Arkansas. I can't build a fire. What can I say? But, but if you get that log to burning, then there is a process called energy transfer that goes from potential to reality, that goes from possibility to kinetic motion and kinetic movement. Are y'all in the room with me today? Some of us just need a spark. Some of us just need to strike a match. Some of us just need somebody to flip the switch. <laughs> Go, girl. All right. I'm fixing to bust a rut in here. <laughs> like, whatever that means, I'm not sure what that means. I just heard somebody say that one time. I don't know. My son would say, Dad, don't try to be cool. It's embarrassing. Don't do that. Stop that. Where was I? <laughs> so the same thing stands between the status. A lot of us are living in the status quo. That's the point. A lot of us are living replete with potential. I, I've had potential in my life, and people used to come and say, man, I see great potential in you. I got sick of hearing about potential. Sometimes you want that stuff to catch fire, and you want something to happen. Something's got, there's got to be an action. There's got to be a striking of the match. And what happens when that process begins that leads to energy transfer, it's because there is a chain reaction. Can I suggest to you today that God's waiting on some of us to just take a step. And if you'll take a step, God will then cause a reaction to your action. And that reaction will be supernatural where your action was natural. You took a natural step, but God met it with a supernatural response. And the potential he had put in your life begins to be experienced and realized. It's not rocket science. Matter of fact, sometimes it doesn't make sense on a theoretical drawing board. No, no. There, how many know there's things God wants to do in your life that nobody would believe? Some of you, just the fact that you're sitting in this auditorium, people that knew you five years ago, it'd blow their mind if they saw you raise your hands. And What in the world is she doing? Well, somebody struck a match. Somebody, somebody took you from the status quo to what God had in, your, in mind for you from the beginning. God had envisioned it and you experienced it because somebody, you got too close to the Holy Ghost fire. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get too close to the Holy Ghost and your potential will become a reality. Can I tell you that when the classroom is finished and all our theoretical ideas and formulas and maximums have left you, the power of the Holy Ghost will set you on fire and stuff God had put inside of you will become a living reality because you have potential. It doesn't matter what they said about you. It doesn't matter what you've been through or what you've done or what's been done to you. God is able to lift you out of that by taking the potential he put in your life and bringing it to pass. I feel like preaching today. I'm gonna, I think this, that, that preacher's anointing is right in here somewhere. Yeah. So we have to begin the chain reaction and that happens supernaturally. When lit, the fire and the process takes over and begins to change the status quo. Electricity works the same way. We could look around the building, there are sockets and there are switches, and there's energy already in the wall. But what happens when you flip a switch, you're connecting disconnected circuits. One of them has a source of power, the other is waiting to be energized. Can I suggest to you that there are a lot of us in this room that we don't even know it, but God is waiting for us to connect the circuits. Power is not a problem. 
The source and supply is not a problem. He's just waiting for you to pull the chain, flip the switch, or turn the dial. He's waiting for you to mix your faith with his ability. How many love that verse now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think? But what does he say? According to his mighty power that is working in us. Some of us got to flip the switch. Some of you been mad too long. You've been upset too long. Somebody, somebody here in this room is walking in unforgiveness and God says all you got to do is make up your mind. You don't have to do it. All you got to do is make up your mind and I'll do it through you because the power of the Holy Spirit will flood into your life. Somebody say, pull that chain. My goodness, how long is it gonna take us to flip the switch? We live in darkness. If we came in this room and there's no lights on, so many of us live our lives in darkness, try to live our marriage and relationships in darkness, try to spend our money in darkness. I don't think anybody in the room would wanna iron your clothes in darkness. If you do, make sure you got all your clothes on. Oh, somebody, somebody get burnt. I need a better amen than that because it's true. Amen. You don't want to fry an egg in the dark. You can? <laughs> Bless your heart, brother. <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell you, brother, a lot of our blind friends can see better than a lot of us, and that's a fact. The fact is, a lot of times we're more tuned in Amen. Somebody needs to turn the switch on. Just turn the lights on. That's what God will do in your life. He'll turn the switch on. If you'll turn the switch on, I mean, he'll release the power because it's already there. It's like, well, I'm just waiting for God to do it. Well, if you'll take a step, he will meet your natural step with his supernatural ability. And your life will change and you will experience what he had planned for your life from the beginning. You can wait a lifetime for somebody else to pull your chain. You can wait a lifetime for somebody else to strike your match. You can wait a lifetime for somebody, well, I'm gonna do better. Our marriage is gonna be better if my wife would just straighten up or if my, if my kids would do right, I could be the parent. No, how about you become the parent by the power of the Holy Spirit God wants you to be and then watch the change that happens in your children. Maybe you ought to start in the marriage relationship and then see how you're, isn't it be amazing how your spouse would get so much nicer? Two men were in a garage in Palo Alto, California after World War II and agreed to form a company to develop business machinery. They acted on their vision by investing a few hundred dollars each to fund their vision. And they actually flipped a coin to see the order of the names that would be established on the organizational documents for the government. One name was Packard, the other name was Hewlett. Hewlett won the toss. And Hewlett Packard was born in that garage with about $300. Together, their vision, followed by strategic actions, released the potential energy of a company that now has the annual generating revenue power of hundreds of billions of dollars globally. And it began with two men who made an agreement and took a step. Amen. Let me ask you a question. What could God do in your life? If you would agree 
and put yourself in, a, in agreement with God and take a step, what, what, what new companies are in this room that have not been developed yet? What great relationships have yet to be formed because we haven't made a step and made a decision about it? It's that active decision that will take our vision and our dreams from the, the theoretical universe and put them into the living reality in which we live. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Actions release potential. That's what I'm saying today. It's not an arbitrary act. It's an act of destiny that will release your potential. There are three things that you need if you're going to act decisively. If you're going to act decisively and consistently, you need three things in your life. Everybody say number one. Number one, you need passion. Honestly, I I used to think the world was going to be destroyed by the nuclear bomb. I I think now we're just going to be bored to death. I mean, we live in a world and an age and time where people through all the technology and the overstimulation of our culture have lost their passion. Passion equals desire. It equals desire. And for you to have to ever get to the purpose and the power God wants to release in your life, you've got to become dissatisfied with some stuff because dissatisfaction is the fuel of passion. You've got to decide God has something better for your family. God has something better for your marriage. God has something better for your finance. You have to decide that the status quo that you're living in is like the the stack of logs that can be eaten by termites. Somebody has got to access the fire in those logs. Somebody, it's the passion that will be kindled in your life that that God will use to release your potential. A lot of us, we feel like, well, I, I'm older. I, I'm about to turn 55. I'll turn 55 this next year. And that's not old, I must add. Amen. That's not old. Old is just a number. I shouldn't say age is just a number. But it's not old. But God will give you the strength, even if you're up in years. Everybody in the Bible just about was old. I mean, some of them folks were 140 years old before they did anything great. I've decided I ain't waiting that long. I'm just saying. Y'all hear the story about the old man and the old woman that were in bed one night? and They'd been married 50 years. And it was near their anniversary, and so... They got in bed, and he rolled over and started to go to sleep. Because how many know sometimes us men, it, it takes, I mean, I, I think I'm asleep before I completely get laid down. <laughs> Any wives, that's your husband? <laughs> like she knows she's got to act fast, you know what I'm saying, because he's going to be gone. And so, <laughs> and so they, they were laid in bed, and he was about to doze off, and she elbowed him. And he said, what, what? And she said, I know it's crazy. Our anniversary's getting close, and. She said, I, I, I remember when we first got married, you used to tell me you love me. He said, well, I love you. I really do, I love you. Rolled back over and started to go back to sleep. <laughs> she laid there a few more minutes and elbowed him again. What, what? And she said, well, again, I don't know what's going on with me, but she said, I remember, you know, early on you used to hug and squeeze me. So he rolled over and sighed and put his arms around her and hugged and squeezed her real tight and rolled back over and started to go back to sleep. Now she's patting her foot. 
elbows him again after a minute. What? She said, I remember the first year we were married, you used to nibble on me here. <laughs> he threw the cover back and got up and started to walk off. And she sat up in bed and said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my teeth there in the bathroom. <laughs> Some of us would like to be passionate. We're just not sure we have the teeth for it anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How many believe God can light a fire in your soul? That's right. I mean, seriously, right? Abraham and Sarah, need I say more? I mean, really. Passion equals desire. You've got to decide that you're not happy with the status quo and that you're really ready to do something about it. The second thing that you have to decide is that there is a purpose for which you were put on the planet, that you have a purpose. I call it the why factor. It's the reason. Do you know so many of us live in the what's of life instead of living in the why? But what will burn you out? When you live in a world filled with what's, you will burn out. Because you'll get a house that's what you thought you wanted and then your neighbors will refinance and move out of the neighborhood and there you are left with a house that you didn't want as bad as you thought you wanted because you were living in the what and not the why. Are you all in the room with me? We have to learn to live in the why. When God's passion is ignited in your life, the why of your life will be driven and you'll move forward in purpose that's built on a solid reason and not just the opportunistic ideas of some new thing or trinket that you wanted in your life. Can I tell you here today, ladies and gentlemen, that God has a why for you before you were conceived in your mother's womb, before you were ever a thought in the mind of your parents. God had already seen the number of your days and the manner of your ways and he had ordained a purpose for you and a why for you to live. God is a why God. God is not a what God. What's are no problem for God. God is all about why. Say it big and loud with me. God is all about why. Cut the price. That's what two icons in American economic history said that catapulted their companies to mega dominance in their respective industry. One was Henry Ford and the other was Sam Walton. One was the automobile industry, the other was consumer products. But they were driven by this compelling value that if you could lower the price of a product, you would sell more of it to more people. When Henry Ford started his automobile company, there were 500 companies making cars in America. And by the end of his tenure, Ford had 57% of the market share. And made over 2 million automobiles a year at a plant before the Great Depression that employed over 14,000 employees. Now that's kinetic energy. Can I get an amen? And it was built and based on the foundational idea of a purpose, a why, not a car. The fact is, Sam Walton didn't sell products. He sold a a concept. He sold an idea that you were going to get low prices there every day. That was the basic why that drove the Walmart Corporation. I'm not defending either company. I'm just saying that when you learn to live in the why and quit focusing on the what's, God's purpose for your life will be delivered in your life and in your experience. Hallelujah. We need passion and we need purpose. The third thing that we need is power. Somebody say power. This is the courage and the determination to begin with what you have right now. 
the courage and determination to begin with what you have right now. So many of us, we hit a roadblock because we think, well, if I had $1,000 to invest or if I had $10,000 to invest or if I had this or if, 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 if my wife was, was less troubled or if my husband didn't have these issues, we, we, we are always imagining what would happen if somebody else would take us to that next level. But how many knows that the beginning of my message, I told you how it works, right? Ain't nobody going to do it for you. So you have to have the power, the courage, and the determination to begin with what you had. Moses heard God say that right at the Red Sea. He's like, God, what's going on? Pharaoh is behind us and he's going to get us and the people want to stone me and there's a Red Sea in front of us. Now this is a difficult predicament. And God spoke to Moses and said, now I've already given you the potential. I've already given you the, the, the potential energy. What's in your hand, Moses? Well, it's a rod. He said, put that rod out over the sea. And Moses put that rod out over the sea, and you all know the story. There was a strong wind that began to blow all night long. He took an act of faith in obedience to God, and a strong wind was released that blew a hole in the obstacle. What my question is, is are you willing to endure the storm that the action of faith might produce in your life? Because it was a stormy night. 70 mile an hour, in excess of 70 mile an hour winds, straight winds that raged all night with this Bedouin group that were camping in tents. They didn't know what God was going to do. I mean, some of them thought it went from bad to worse. Pharaoh's behind, the sea's in the front, and we just had the stormiest night of our life. You had to hold on, tie yourself to something to keep from getting blown away. But the fact is, that storm was their deliverance. That, they didn't know it yet, but that storm was their deliverance. If you'll take a step of faith and the supernatural act of God begins to meet and partner with your action, sometimes it will cause a storm for a season, but endure the storm because your deliverance is on the way. I love it. Yeah, God said to Moses, said, this Pharaoh in your life, you ain't really free. You may be out of Egypt, but you really ain't free until Pharaoh's dead. I got to deal with Pharaoh, so I'm going to bring Pharaoh down into this ocean, into this water, and I'm going to this Pharaoh that you see today, you will see no more again forever. Hallelujah. Some of us need to be free. We're just run away. We really need to be free. And it's taking that step, that action that brings freedom in our life. Come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah. Strike a match. Flip the switch. Ain't nobody going to do it for you. You say, well, what about Jacob? Jacob took several actions based on the dream that he had. If you go back when you get home and read that story again, you'll find out that he became acutely aware of God at a level he'd never known. In that moment, he said, this is a special place. Can I be pastoral with you for just a moment and tell you that if God's led you to this place, and this is your Bethel, heaven is open over this place for you. There are great churches all over this town pastored by wonderful men and women of God, no doubt. But if God has put you here and opened heaven and dropped a ladder, your ladder is right here. Come on, somebody. Your ladder is right here. God showed him how covenant works. Did you know that the promise God had made to his grandfather was 140 years before? And God said, Jacob, if you're going to really join the club, you need to understand how covenant works. Because when I make a covenant, I don't change my mind. 140 years later, in that dream, 
he saw the heavens open. And where is God? He's still standing over the covenant. And he's saying the same thing to Jacob that he said to his grandfather. I'll bless you and multiply you. I'll make you descendants as the sands of the sea. In you all the nations of the world will be blessed. Some of you got a word 30 years ago and you wondered, well, God, but this, but that, or but what about this? And God says, I hadn't changed my mind. I saw all this and that before I spoke that word and I'm still standing over that word waiting for you to do something about it, waiting for you to take a step and to act. He became aware of the presence of God. He literally consecrated the place and then he made a vow. He said, God, I'm going to do something. And then he paid his tithe. Never take tithing for granted, ladies and gentlemen, because when you sow of your resource, perhaps some of you in this room, your first real act should be obedience to honor God with all the resource he's brought into your life. And in taking that step, writing that check, some of you will access potential and possibilities in God that you've never known before. Stand with me, would you? Did you know that Jacob did something so powerful that night? It didn't just change him forever. It literally altered the identity of God forever. Did you know that? Did you know that sometimes your action can be so powerful that it will literally cause God to mark himself? You say, what in the world do you mean by that, Brother Brassfield? Well, up until this point, God had revealed himself as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. But if you look in the scripture, the next time that phrase is used, after Jacob said, here's my tithe, here's my vow, the next time that phrase is used, God said, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. You see, there was a moment that Jacob had a choice to add his name to the list or to try to live his life to the best of his abilities in his own way apart from God. What would it be today if we would make decisions all over this room that was so powerful that God said, that marked me. (laughs) You won't ever be the same, but neither will I. Because we have entered such a deep place of covenant that your yes is connected to my amen. And your, 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 your power is coming from my will. And now it's not just you and it's not just me. It's us. It's us. Let me pray for you right now. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for the power that's in the word. I thank you for the anointing. I thank you, Lord, that people all over this room are being moved to act. Let them make the active decision today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you Let's do give that? him a great hand. Beautiful word. Lift your hands all over the house. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.